Hey there, welcome to BSing with Brandy, where my mission is to help you get shit done. I'm your host, Brandy Good, and today we're going to talk about outsourcing, specifically the things that you as the business owner need to keep in mind when you are outsourcing your tech and online work in order to keep your service provider from getting confused and frustrated, because the happier that they are and the easier it is for them to do that work, you'll be happier because you're getting their best work and things are flowing smoothly. So the topic today came from a lot of personal experience, uh, both as the service provider and as the one hiring the contractors or service providers. So when I get into the details of the things I want to cover today, I will be sharing a lot of personal real life examples uh, from working with past clients and past contractors. And I might even throw in some other, other stories that I've heard along the way. So here's what I want to cover today. Um, I want to talk about understanding what type of service provider you need to be looking for, um, how to give them as much advance notice as possible for the work, um, talk about providing context for the work you're giving, uh, give them as much information as humanly possible about the work you need them to do, then get clear on what they can and can't or sometimes won't do, and also what you need to keep in mind for emergency situations. And before we get into that, I just want to make one note. I'm not really going to get into pricing in this. Uh, When people talk about outsourcing, pricing is usually one of the top things that come up. That's not what I'm talking about in this episode. Um, Pricing is all over the map. um, And part of that is experience. Part of that is geographical location. Part of that is what currency you're charging in. So um, I don't want to say, oh, never hire someone for $10 an hour because that person might be amazing. They just might be doing it for fun or they might be in a part of the world where you know, $10 an hour is actually a lot of money for them. On the other hand, you might have someone who's charging $100 an hour doing something similar. And again, they might be completely amazing and know everything A to Z and be able to anticipate issues and provide other advice. Or they're just charging $100 an hour because somebody told them to, and they're actually not that good. So The price that someone is charging um, sometimes doesn't reflect uh, their value. So let's be honest, a lot of us underprice ourselves, and there are people out there that overprice, but I think it's usually the opposite. (laughs) So I'm not going to get into pricing Uh, in this episode today. We're going to be looking more at like the the other practical parts of working with a service provider that a lot of people might not think about before they go trying to find someone or even once they've hired and then it's like, what now? So let's get into some of those things. And the first thing I want to talk about 
is understanding what type of service provider you're looking for. Um, so let's talk about the term virtual assistant. <laughs> so the term virtual assistant is probably the one that the majority of people are familiar with. However, the the connotation right now for virtual assistants seems to be uh, low-skill admin tasks. And people think, oh, if you're a VA, like you should be charging the $10 or $15 an hour and um, anything beyond that is too expensive. So the, the issue is that the term virtual assistant can encompass so many things. So when someone says they're a virtual assistant, they might actually be doing really high level stuff and charging $100 an hour and be really, really amazing at it. And you can't find anyone else who's doing what they're doing as good as they're doing. And so they are totally worth that $100. On the other hand, you have people that might be doing the same work as a virtual assistant, but they're calling themselves something else in order to stay away from that connotation of um, low-skill, low-price work. So that's why I'm just using the term service provider because it kind of just encompasses everybody. (laughs) I don't want to say virtual assistant and then have people um, getting mixed up or having people who don't call them virtual assistants think this stuff doesn't apply to them. Um, And just be aware that when you're searching for someone and you're just searching for a term virtual assistant to outsource, you might be missing a large group of service providers that have the skills that you need. They're just calling themselves something else. So just keep that, um, keep that in mind. Um, the, the main thing to consider is that, so just because someone is charging a lower rate, it doesn't mean they're not awesome at what they do. You just have to understand that it it might mean that they are just being responsive in terms of tasks. So they are just relying on you to provide detailed instructions and tell them when to do, when the work has to be done and how to do it. Here's the instructions. Here's the steps. Here's how you do it. Go. And then they just do it and they give it back to you and then they wait for the next thing. So they're kind of reactive in that way. You are directing all of their activities very closely. Um, Someone on the higher end of the price scale is probably going to work with you more um, collaboratively or they might even be the ones directing the work. Um, They could provide you with the information about here's how we do this thing because maybe you just say, this like task a needs to get done and you don't tell them the exact way it has to be done as long as it gets done that's all you care about so they do it the way that they think is best and then get back to you they could look at things and anticipate well you know what if we actually do it this way it'll be a lot better if you connect this thing over here this will create some efficiencies so they're more um proactive 
about their work, looking at things at a higher level and not just doing the tasks set out for them. So here's kind of a a guideline. If you already have all your tasks and steps worked out, but you don't have the time to do them each week or month or however often they get done, then you probably need a service provider on the lower end of the scale who is good at following instructions. So somebody who's very task oriented. If you are new to business or the thing that you need to get done is brand new to you, then you might need a service provider who has experience with that activity so they can provide recommendations and guidance about how to do it effectively in addition to doing it for you. So they are more goal or strategy oriented. And so then those people are going to cost a bit more because you're getting the benefit of all of their experience and knowledge that comes along with it. So that is the first thing I want to talk about. So be clear on what kind of service provider you need. Um, don't just don't just look at price, but really understand what you need that person to do. Um, so I was in a situation where I had a client who had she had a checklist and it was fairly detailed. We did do some work on it, um, but in the end, we realized that actually she just needed someone to just do the steps. Whereas I was looking at all the steps and trying to find, okay, where can we automate? Where can we make more efficient? And I was trying to change her procedures and that's not what she wanted. She just wanted someone to do the checklist and then have it be done. So in that case, she would have just been looking for maybe a general VA and not, and not me (laughs) because I was, I was having too many ideas and it wasn't what she needed at the time. So that was a lesson learned, I think for both of us, but it was a big lesson learned for me um, so that it's something that I I talk to potential clients about um, before we start working together. So the next thing is about giving people, giving your service providers advance notice um, for the work. Now, this might seem like kind of a duh (laughs) issue, um, but I don't just mean, um, you know, like tell them a week ahead of time that this thing needs to be done because we all underestimate how long projects will take to complete always. Um, almost, I'm sure there's people out there who are master like estimators, (laughs) but it's not me. Um, so It's especially true, like as the business owner, you might look at a project and say, well, this should take, this should take a week to complete. But (laughs) keep in mind that if you are not the, the expert at that thing, or if you haven't done all those steps, you don't know what all of those things entail. You don't know what potential issues could pop up. So chances are you, you look at it and go, well, that's a week, but somebody who really knows that thing is going to look at it and go, actually, this is going to take three weeks and here's why. Um, so when you give a task to your service provider, um, with a tight deadline, uh, and they just say, 
that's impossible, like in, in a nice way, but they probably just say, you're cray. Um, they're not trying to make your life difficult. And on the flip side, if you're the service provider and your client is constantly throwing tight deadlines at you, again, they're probably not trying to make your life difficult. They just really don't understand that these things aren't as simple as they seem. And so it might just be a matter of having a conversation to say like, hey, here's here's all the things that actually I need to do to finish this. And, and here's why it doesn't fit into this timeline. Um, you know, once in a while, there's a deadline that really needs to get done and you just can't avoid it. And you do have to give this task to your service provider and you have to beg them and say it it's so important it absolutely needs to get done like asap so your service provider will love you 3000 if you do any of the following but i would recommend doing all of the following so um do these do these four things <laughs> um if you're if you're throwing out some work with a really tight deadline um First off, ask them what the minimum number of steps to complete the task within your timeline would be. Because maybe you give them stuff and it has 10 parts, but there are a couple of them that you could live like you could probably live without and they could be done, you know, like a few days later. So ask them to look at that and just identify, okay, if we can't get it all done, tell me um the absolute minimum things we would have to do to get it done and then just do those and tell me when you can get the rest of it done because then that gives them the flexibility uh, to be able to still make you happy by completing the task but not um, give themselves a like a panic attack or a mental breakdown because now they're having to work a bunch of overtime to get the task done. So that's the first thing I want you to do. Uh, The second thing is make it clear that this task that you're giving them now is the priority and anything else they're working on for you can be dropped. So of course, make sure that that is the case for you if you have something that is super, super high priority. So don't throw it at them and then let them think that in addition to whatever they're working on, they also have to do this thing. So it's gotta be some sort of trade-off there. So tell them, okay, here's the thing, emergency thing, I need you to get it done just put everything else on pause until this is done. Um, The third thing you can do is you can offer to pay extra if it's, uh, it is a super rush job that, you know, if they would have to drop work for other clients, then there is a reasonable expectation that you could pay extra for that. Um, because now they're disappointing other clients as well. Additionally, if the work is going to need to be done outside of business hours, like if they say, okay, I can do this, but I'm going to have to work like all weekend to get it done, offer again, offer to pay extra because now that's their personal time you're cutting into. So if you're cutting into their personal time or if you are forcing them to have to push off other clients works that then they have to explain to those clients like something has come up this needs to be delayed then uh you need to offer something in exchange and typically that is going to be money um that's 
that's something that you might want to address with your service provider when you're first coming up with the contract. The, it's something that you might even want to agree upon ahead of time, like if there's work getting done outside of hours. Um, if you're willing to pay extra, then get that in the contract. Um, because then they might be more likely to take on those rush jobs for you because it is, you know, it might be worth their while. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing, if you're giving some rush work to your service provider, um, send them a small gift uh, or a token of appreciation or something after the work is completed. Um, It is really amazing what, like, a $10 gift card to the coffee shop can do for your goodwill. (laughs) So I remember, I can remember every client who's ever sent me a present. Um, And I have a long list of, a long list of clients, but the ones that have sent me, you know, like a, a gift card for Starbucks or for Amazon or something like that, those are the ones I can remember right away and guaranteed they're at the top of my, you know, these were my favorite people to work with. <laughs> so just a hint. Um, if you, if you're just giving the rush work and they're just saying, okay, I'll get it done. Maybe they are bending over backwards to meet your deadlines. And so you know, you're taking along thinking everything's great and you're happy. In the meantime, they are losing their minds and they are burning out. And then one day you might not have them anymore. <laughs> so, so don't just assume that everything is okay. Um, make sure that you're asking them, like, can this get done in this timeline? If we can't do it all, what are the minimum steps? Um, if you have to work on the weekend, I'll pay you extra, anything like anything like that. Um, because if it's a real emergency, you'll be willing to do all those things. If you don't want to do any of those things, then maybe it's not as important and rushed as you thought it was. Said with love. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. The The next thing is to provide the context of the work to your service provider. So this is something um, that I have found even, even before I started my business, when I was just working my nine to five job and I did a lot of different things for the company I worked for. And so every time I had to sit down and talk to someone to get them to teach me like this one thing, the things I learned the best and remembered the best and could do without going back with lots of questions was when the person took the time to explain the context around the task. So instead of just handing a checklist and saying, even if it was really detailed, here's these 10 things and do them. If you, in a, if you didn't understand in a bigger picture, why you were doing those things and how they fit into other parts of the business, then it made it harder um, when things went wrong to figure out what you were supposed to do. But if you understand how that task or project fits into the bigger picture, um, it just makes things easier. So 
when you are assigning or proposing tasks and projects to your service provider, provide the context or the why behind the task. Um, this allows them to be more effective because as the expert in whatever you hired them for, they may think of issues that you can't see or wouldn't have anticipated. Um, so like, for example, there was uh, a past client who was looking at starting email marketing. Um, they, they had been collecting emails, but not communicating with people and they needed to come up with some sort of plan. They didn't want it to be a big time suck, but they did want to stay in touch with the people who had provided their contact info. And so when we started talking about the context of the email marketing, the, the why behind why they wanted to do email marketing and how, how the business owner liked to work, it became very clear to me that email marketing shouldn't be a priority for them <laughs> because that wasn't the best way for them to communicate based on like personal preference, but also based on their business's brand, just sending out email newsletters. It didn't fit with them. And so without that, that bigger conversation, um, they might've just hired me to set up like their email marketing, you know, systems, and then they would have never used it. And so it would have been a waste of time and money for everyone. But because we had that bigger conversation, it was like, actually, that's a bad idea. Let's do this instead. And so once I started talking about, okay, here's, here's what I think might fit better. It was like the light bulbs were going off and they were like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Right. Um, so that's kind of a, a drastic situation. Um, but it, um, the added benefit is that knowing what's going on in your business makes your service provider feel more like part of a team. And that is important for long-term loyal relationships and just that feeling of belonging. Um, if they feel like they're part of your team, then the things that they're doing for you, they're going to feel proud about doing a good job because, you know, they're part of the team. They're not just some contractor, you know, like 500 miles away working on their laptop and just submitting stuff via email. They're part of your team. <laughs> so the one thing, um, when I've talked about this in the past, I've had people say, okay, but won't your service provider find it overwhelming to get all of this extra info? Um, so to that, I say, <laughs> let's go back to my initial point of um, understanding who you need to hire. So if you have a service provider who does get overwhelmed with all that context or doesn't want all those details, that's okay as long as their specific role is very task focused and their job isn't to evaluate high level stuff, right? Because someone who's doing more high level work needs that context as part of their, uh, their role. It's essential. 
Um, so if they don't want the details and they just want the checklist and they just want it to do it, if the stuff that you're asking them to do is very specific and obvious and doesn't need a lot of context, that's probably okay. But um, I might question their commitment to you if they don't really seem to care about what else is going on in your business. Um, that's not always the case, but it would be kind of a flag for me that way. So uh, context is good. The, the other thing I want to mention, I touched on a little bit, but I'll go into a bit more detail. Providing the context for what someone is doing massively helps them troubleshoot when things go wrong. So if you give someone a checklist with no other information and they get to step three and they click the button and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, they might, they might get completely stuck and come to a full stop at that point and have to go back to you and say, okay, what do I do now? Whereas someone who understands the context of what they're doing in that task, uh, they get to that step, it doesn't work the way they want, but they still understand in general what's supposed to be going on. So they might just be able to figure it out and keep going without coming back to you. So just, just a heads up about that. Uh, let's move on to the next, the next thing, um, which is somewhat related to what we just talked about, but it's to give your service provider as much information as humanly possible. So this is in addition to context. So context is the stuff that kind of is relevant to the task. Now I want to talk about specific task related stuff. Um, so this applies to situations where you are providing direction or feedback or maybe there's some sort of you're having some sort of technical issue and you're you're asking them to help so question <laughs> do you know why help desk and it it support people are so grumpy <laughs> because i do <laughs> because a million times a day they deal with people who say something isn't working and then can't provide any details about what went wrong. How is that person supposed to solve your problem if you don't provide them any information about what went wrong? <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I sympathize a lot with support people. I, I was essentially a support person at one point and still, in some ways function as a support person for some of my current clients. Now, I think most of them I've trained well enough that they don't just say, hey, this thing doesn't work. They actually give me the info I need. Um, but this is not just a business lesson, but also maybe a general life lesson. <laughs> so I'm just gonna toss out some business examples that maybe you can relate to. Um, so the first thing is maybe you want a website created. So at minimum, um, you know, you might say, well, I'm not a designer. I don't really know what I want. So help your designer out or your tech person out. Uh, send an example of other websites that you've seen that you want to take inspiration from because you probably kind of know a general idea of how you want it to look. And because you've probably seen that kind of design before. So go find some, some sites and say, let's 
let's take our inspiration from these sites. I like this layout or I like this color combo or this is a great font. You know, things like that. Um, give them give them a little help. <laughs> and that applies to anything online like a sales page um, or an email template or a graphic or anything like that. Find an example and send it to your person and say, I like this look. Here's what I like about this thing. Uh, let's do it like this. Um, again, a sales funnel. So sales funnels can get complicated. So if you just ask someone to create a sales funnel, well, you know, you can have a really simple sales funnel where people, you know, they hit a PayPal button and then they get an email and then something get sent to them or they get a login for something. Then there's, you know, sales funnels that have tripwires included or they have different email sequences and people go in different ways depending on on what they click on and so describe an example of one. Again, if you're asking for a sales funnel, you probably have an idea in mind of about what you want or what you like. So give an example of one that you signed up for that works the way that you want yours to. Or if you've been learning about sales funnels from someone, give that information to your service provider so that you're both on the same page. They might not necessarily need that learning information. They might already know it, but then they know where you're coming from. And so they they can see, okay, you want it this way because, because of this. Um, that will help a lot. Then another example, you're trying to do something on a website or with your software and you get an error. <laughs> this is probably the most common one, right? Uh, screenshots are your best friend. If you don't know how to take a screenshot on your computer, go to pause this episode right now open up a new tab in your browser and Google how to take screenshot and then whatever type of computer you have and then memorize that. Um, whatever that key combination is, memorize it. If, if you have to actually take, grab your phone and take a picture of your screen, fine. <laughs> the quality won't be as good, but fine. But screenshots are your best friend. Send a screenshot. Um, ideally the screenshot will have the error message on it. Um, and then also give a few bullet points of what you were doing right before you got the error. Like say like, oh, I, I clicked this button and then started typing here and then this error popped up. Um, and also don't forget on the internet, online, uh, with technology, random glitches happen sometime. Um, so that's why there's the joke about, well, did you turn it off and turn it back on? Because that is the solution to so many issues. Sometimes a random glitch will happen. Um, you can report it to someone and then no one can ever recreate it ever again because it was just a random thing. So if you get some sort of error, you know, Grab that screenshot just so that you can you can send it to someone if you have to. And then just close whatever you're doing, open it up, 
and try to do it again. And then if you don't get the error, then it was just a random glitch. Uh, if it happens again, then you've got a problem and you need to send it on. So essentially, the more details you can provide upfront, the faster your issue is going to get fixed. And there won't be the constant back and forth about, um, like you can probably relate, you reached out to a help desk and said, I got this error. And they say, okay, well, what did the error message say? Yeah, so you, you know, say that you've got some sort of issue and then they go, okay, did you turn it off, turn it on? Yep, did that, didn't work. Okay, well, can you tell me what browser you're using? And so then you tell them that and then they're like, okay, well, what version is your computer running? And then you tell them that and it goes on and on like that. So if you can provide as much information up front, then, you know, there won't be all that back and forth and things will get solved way quicker. So like I said, life lesson, not just business lesson. Moving on. Um, you need to be really, really clear about what your service provider can and can't do. And also not just can't do, but maybe won't do. Um, there might be something that somebody technically could do, but that's not part of their job. Um, or it's something that they don't like and they would rather not do it if they don't have to. So if your service provider says, oh yeah, we can do anything, then they better have a large team of subcontractors behind them. Because if they're a solo operation and they're saying that, they probably mean that they can figure anything out, which could be true. But are you okay paying for people to figure things out? Um, or do you need someone who already knows how to accomplish all those tasks? So if you're paying for someone to figure it out, then likely they're a beginner. And yeah, you may be paying less for them per hour, but they're taking longer to do the tasks because you are paying for them to learn it. Whereas somebody more expensive, you're paying because they've already learned all of that and you're paying for their expertise and experience. So, um, yeah, if they're promising everything, take a step back and, and think, is this realistic? So when you're hiring people for one-off tasks or projects, it's important to find someone who can do exactly what you need. Because again, you don't want to pay for them to learn how to do it if it's just a one-off thing. When you're hiring someone for a set of recurring tasks, then it's way more reasonable to have to train them or have them figure out how to do it the first time. And then they complete the task a lot more quickly going forward. Now, when you're hiring people long-term or as general support, chances are the scope of what you ask them to take on is going to shift and expand over time. So it's important that you're clear on what that person is comfortable with or willing to do and also what their like absolute won't do list is. Uh, if they've been with you a long time and they know your business well, having them spend time figuring out another related task could be more beneficial than bringing in a one-time specialist um, because they might be able to pick it up really easy and they know everything that's going on. If the task is a little too far out of their wheelhouse, then you might have to bring in that one-time person to either complete the task or 
work with your current service provider to complete it and train that person at the same time. That's always an option. So if you've got a good relationship with your service provider, um, then they will, they will be honest about telling you what they can or can't do. Um, because again, when someone says, oh yeah, I can do all that, uh, they're either, it's either because they're just gonna, they're good at learning, they're quick at picking things up, or they're afraid if they tell you they can't do something that you will replace them. (laughs) So make sure, again, it's important to foster that good relationship so that they feel comfortable saying like, yeah, I, I can't do this or I could, but it's going to take me a long time. Or they might even just say, I really hate doing that. I'll do it this one time for you, but you have to find somebody else. (laughs) So, um, make sure that you've got that good relationship and you know what they do and don't want to do. And, um, you know, give them the opportunity to learn if you're willing to pay for that, make sure it makes sense in terms of your business. And the last thing is emergency situations. So don't abuse the emergency contact method. (laughs) So if emergency contact method is something that you and your service provider don't already have worked out, uh, do that right after you finish listening to this. (laughs) Um, If your service provider has good boundaries, they should have given you their office and support hours ahead of time their primary contact method, and what to do in case of emergency. Uh, If you have good boundaries, you might have done that as well. Please do not abuse this. (laughs) This is the fastest way to um, enrage and frustrate your service provider. So this is a particular issue when it comes to tech stuff, um, because when it comes to tech and online stuff, If you're the business owner and you're not super familiar with it, it, you are more likely to panic when things go wrong because you don't, um, maybe don't understand what caused it or what the consequences might be or how to fix it. Now, just because something isn't working, doesn't mean you need to call your service provider on their honeymoon and demand they fix it within the next five minutes. That's completely unreasonable. Uh, So if you think something might be an emergency, ask yourself these three questions. So number one, is this issue impacting your clients in a significant way? So are your clients reaching out to you and complaining because something isn't working? They can't access their product or their service, something like that. Um, So if your clients are are complaining to you, that's an issue. That's a problem. Uh, Number two, is this going to damage your reputation or your relationship with your clients or with any other online audience. So if it's if it's something really small that lots of people are reaching out to you, but it's not it's not a huge issue, like maybe a button doesn't work, but you can give them a link that they can just go to directly. So that's something that it's impacting a lot of people, but there's a tiny temporary workaround. And so if you don't think it's going to damage your reputation, then again, that might be something that it's high priority, but um, you're not having to text your person at midnight asking them to fix whatever it is. And the third thing I want you to ask yourself, 
is this issue something that is definitely going to cause bigger problems if not dealt with ASAP? Uh, So if you answered yes to any of these, then you might have a genuine emergency on your hands. If you answered no, then just send your issue via the normal channel. Make sure that you you indicate if it's important or a higher priority than normal um, and wait for a response. And because the thing is, the more you send urgent or emergency messages that aren't really emergencies, the more you're damaging your relationship with your service provider. It's kind of like that boy who cried wolf situation. Um, If you, you know, like if your service provider says, you can text me if it's an emergency, but don't text normally. And then you're texting them all throughout the day. Then they're going to get frustrated thinking that it's an emergency every time. And once they realize it's not an emergency, every time you text, they're going to think it's not an emergency because you're texting them over nothing all the time. (laughs) So uh, keep that in mind. That, um, That is the probably one of the top three ways to like drive your your service provider away is to abuse that emergency contact and just and not follow, you know, hours of operation and things like that. So be kind to your service provider, respect their boundaries, and they will respect yours. So that wraps up today's episode of BSing with Brandy. If you enjoyed this topic, you can find more like it at bsingwithbrandy.com. That's brandy with an I, not a Y. And you'll also find show notes and links to any outside resources that may go along with this episode. While you're there, feel free to subscribe to future episodes on the platform of your choice. And I wish you all the best getting shit done this week. Bye.